Our first reading comes to us from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, verses 22 through 34. What? Do you not have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you show contempt for the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I commend you? In this matter, I do not commend you. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves, and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body eat and drink judgment against themselves. For this reason, many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves, we would not be judged. When we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If you are hungry, eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for your condemnation. About the other things, I will give instructions when I come. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading today comes to us from the Gospel according to John, chapter 6, verses 35 through 51. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me and do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me. And anyone who comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Then the Jews began to complain about him, because he said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. They were saying, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I've come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who has sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give you for the life of the world 
is my flesh. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God have many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we've come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. Friends, this summer we've been looking at heroes, superheroes, and heroes of faith, and what traits they have that we can embody so that we could be heroes of faith. Now, I've kind of pulled an audible on this sermon. Uh, When I planned out this sermon series back in March or April, I could have sworn I looked ahead to the fall and planned out and tried not to duplicate what the narrative lectionary is going to be giving us. But then I saw that the lesson planned for today is also planned for two weeks from today. So I had to switch it up a little bit. As I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking of the Marvel superhero movies. And if there's anything that Marvel has done that's changed things, is they have entered into post-credit scenes. The credits start to roll, and then they'll show a scene that's either funny or, or teases the next movie. And they'll have two or three different scenes, and it's it's a great way to get you to, to stay through the credits. So let's be honest, usually when a movie ends, you either turn it off or you get up and leave the theater. But now almost every movie Heather and I go see, she leans over and goes, do we have to stay through the credits? And instead of reading the credits, I'm Googling. I'm like, yes, we do. And the first big Marvel movie was The Avengers. It's when all the superheroes came together. And I love the post credit scene that they had. Because after the superheroes save the world, they save New York City, they fight off the alien invasion, it shows them in this little hole-in-the-wall restaurant eating shawarma. They just get together and they go out for dinner. They fought this huge battle and now they're hungry. And I love that because we don't ever see our heroes eating or drinking unless something terrible is going to happen or it drives the plot forward. And it's not because heroes don't eat or drink. It's because eating and drinking is boring. We really don't want to go to a movie and sit there and see Batman passing the meatloaf to Superman or, or you know, see how quickly the Flash can finish his green beans. But heroes need fuel. fuel heroes need to be fed. Heroes need to be sustained. Heroes need to eat. And while superhero movies might not show that, the Bible speaks to it time and again. Think of Moses leading the Israelites through the wilderness. And the Israelites complained, we are so hungry. At least when we're slaves in Egypt, we had food on our plate. And so God sends manna from heaven. God sends quails to feed the Israelites. Think of Elijah gathering with the widow and making bread for her out of her last bit of oil and then being sustained by it. Think about Jesus who went to so many feasts and so many meals that his critics called him a glutton and a drunkard. Think of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and not talking about spiritual things, but just making sure that they were fed. Time and again, we see 
the people of God being fed, the heroes of faith being given fuel for the journey. Now, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, the devil appeared to him and said, you've been fasting for 40 days, you're hungry, turn these rocks into bread. And Jesus responds, one does not live by bread alone. So we need fuel, but we also need fuel to drive us forward. We need spiritual fuel, emotional fuel, something to move us forward. We see this with Moses, who is driven by delivering the Israelites to the promised land. We see Isaiah, who's transformed by his vision of God. We see Jonah, who's driven by his fear of being eaten by a fish again and finally given in to following God's command. We see Paul, who had a vision of Christ, appear to him on the road that so transformed him that he went from persecuting Christians to creating churches throughout the Mediterranean. We don't live by bread alone, but we do live by bread. We need emotional, spiritual fuel. We need physical fuel. And those are combined in the Lord's Supper. Those are combined in the the sacrament of communion. Paul, in today's first reading, is writing to the church at Corinth. And if you haven't read 1 Corinthians, the church at Corinth was a mess. They fought about everything. They fought about who was better because who was baptized. They fought about who was sleeping with who. They fought about who had the better spiritual gifts. And they fought over communion. And that's what today Paul is chastising them over their approach to communion. See, the church of Corinth was, Corinth was a, a, a seaport city. So they had very wealthy traders and they had very poor people that worked the docks and were laborers. And these people came together in the church. The church would meet in a home big enough to house everyone, so it was probably one of the more wealthy people's homes. And they would gather together for a meal where they'd celebrate communion and talk about God. But because the wealthy people didn't have to work, they would get there early and they would have a feast and they would eat it all. And then the poor people would show up and there was nothing left. And so Paul condemned them. Paul condemned them because they were denying physical nourishment to the poorer people of their congregation. But Paul also condemned them because they were damaging the church. They were not recognizing the spiritual elements of communion. That in communion we come together as one body, the body of Christ. In communion we gather around one table, the table of Christ. In communion we are all equal. When we gather around a table together, no one should go away hungry or thirsty. Because we're all equal in God's eyes. In communion, Christ provides us fuel for the journey. In communion, we are fed physically through the bread and through the juice or the wine. But we're also nourished spiritually. In communion, we remember Christ's death, but we also celebrate his life. In communion, we remember that Christ sacrificed us because he loved us so much. 
And we remember all the people that went before us, who sat around the same table. As I told the children during the children's sermon, if they don't see the signs of God in their school, if they don't see the love, the kindness, the patience, they should work to be the signs of God. And we're reminded that in communion. We're reminded of everything that Christ did for us and that we're called to emulate that. In communion, we're reminded that we are not perfect. We're reminded that we fall short. But we're reminded that God still welcomes us to the table. That Christ sat with Thomas who would doubt him, Judas who would betray him, and Peter who would deny him. That in spite of our faults, Christ loves us still. And that builds us up and that nourishes us. There's a great scene in Lord of the Rings, uh, The Fellowship of the Ring, the first movie of the trilogy. If you're not familiar with it, it's a band of heroes that set out to destroy the one ring of evil. And it's mostly heroes like you think of, archers and swordsmen, and four hobbits, which are little short people. And Merry and Pippin, two of the sidekick hobbits, are walking along, and they stop, and they set out their blanket, and they sit around it. And one of the, the heroes turns and goes, what are you doing? He said, well, we're having breakfast. And the hero says, we've already had breakfast. And the hobbit replies, well, what about second breakfast? And the hero just mutters his head. And then another hobbit says, I don't think he knows second breakfast. Or eleven seas, or lunch, or supper, or dinner. And lists through any of the seven different meals that hobbits ate. Mary and Pippin, the hobbits, knew that we need fuel for the journey that we've been called on. That we need something to sustain us. Whether it's going out to shawarma with Captain America and the Incredible Hulk. Whether it's sharing second breakfast with some pint-sized hobbits from Middle Earth. or Whether it's gathering around the Lord's table where we receive both physical nourishment in bread and cup. But more than that, we are reminded of God's love for us and what our calling should be. And as heroes of faith, that is what nourishes us as we continue on the journey that God has called us on.